Howdy folks, my name is Josh King. Welcome to Podcast Talks, where we look to an old book to help us live as new men. Podcast Talks is a ministry both of and for Meridian Church, so if you're not from around here, that's okay. Come on in. Glad you're here. Stick around. Today, our reading will come from the 17th century work of Richard Sibbs, A Description of Christ. Sibbs was a Cambridge lecturer, a Puritan Anglican minister. His most well-known title is undoubtedly The Bruised Reed. It was a collection of sermons on Matthew 12, 20, which says, A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. I want to read from a lesser-known work, but it is a companion to that, A Description of Christ. Matthew 12.20 is part of a larger quotation of Isaiah 42.1-3. Here it is in full, as given in Matthew 12.18-21. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Now I plan on looking at a passage or a few from a bruised reed, But before we go there, let's look at the one who will not break the bruised reed. Let us behold him. In the portion uh, I want to read, Sibs is earnest for us to see the wonderful conjunction, the awesome comings together that happen in the incarnation of Christ. I'll be reading from Volume 1 of Sibb's Collected Works, published by The Banner of Truth, pages 6 and 7. But now, to go higher, in Christ there are more wonderful conjunctions, where the greatest and the meanest join together, meanest meaning lowest, For God and man to come together, the Lord of all and a servant, and such a servant as should be under a curse. For the highest of all to come to the deepest abasement, where there was no abasement ever so deep as Christ was, in a double regard. First, none ever went so low as he, for he suffered the wrath of God and bore upon him the sins of us all. None ever was so low. And then in another respect his abasement was greatest because he descended from the highest top of glory. And for him to be man, to be a servant, to be a curse, to suffer the wrath of God, to be the lowest of all, Lord, whither dost thou descend? 
Here is a wonder in these conjunctions. Next to Christ's abasement was Adam's, because he was the most excellent, being in the state of innocency and carrying the image of God and being familiar with God. For him, Christ, presently to come into that fearful condition, it was the greatest abasement because it was from the greatest dignity that made the abasement of Christ so great. For lordship to submit to service, for God to be man, the blessed God to become a curse, here is a matter of wonder indeed. One detriment of the religious calendar is that certain truths, which ought to be celebrated year-round, are relegated to a certain season. Even worse is that a truth, the incarnation of Christ, that we should associate with Christ's life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his session, and his return, is limited in our minds to his birth. It is as appropriate when the church gathers to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing in July as it is in December. Indeed, when the church gathers, it is more appropriate to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing in July than it is to sing God Bless America. So let's behold Christ, let's marvel at his incarnation. The incarnation's not of of course, it's not to be taken for granted. It is a wonder. Look at what has been joined, joined, mind you, as has been said by the church for so long, remaining what he was, he became what he was not. As to his person, He did not subtract anything. He added a human nature. He is truly God and truly man and conjunction. There's a conjunction of those things. Truly God, truly man. Now, in Christ, Sibs labors to show us from the text, in Christ, Lord and servant, highest and lowest are joined together. Jesus stood infinitely higher than Adam and stooped infinitely lower. He, to whom all obedience was owed, became a servant so that he might be our righteousness and bear our sins. Because of the conjunction that has happened in Christ, because of the conjunction of God and man in Christ, God and man are rejoined in fellowship. John Piper has said something like the incarnation was preparation for propitiation. Or James Denny, the New Testament knows nothing of an incarnation which can be defined apart from its relation to the atonement. The incarnation of the highest was so that he might go lowest. The doctrine of the humiliation of Christ begins with the incarnation for the purpose of going to the cross. In the incarnation, God and man are joined in one person that many persons may be rejoined to God in fellowship. The incarnation is essential for redemption, and it testifies not simply to who Christ was, but who he now forever is. 
He is forever the God-man. The incarnation has been a thing year-round for over 2,000 years, and it will continue to be a marvel and wonder for all eternity. Behold, God's chosen servant, the Father's beloved with whom he is well pleased. And know this, saints, that because he is well pleased with Christ, He's well pleased with us because God, by His Spirit, has caused a conjunction, a joining, a union between us and Christ. And it is this Christ, the Father's servant who has pleased Him so, with whom you are in union, it's this Christ that will not break the bruised reed, or quench the smoldering flax. Oh, come, let us adore him. Meridian Church, I love you. Grace and peace.